Welcome to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees, a conversation for those who own, manage or protect intellectual property. Welcome to episode 38 of the podcast. I'm Vishal Dattani, a recently qualified trademark attorney at Appleyard Lees. I'm joined by trainee patent attorney Manifa Phillips. Today, we're going to discuss how we came into the IP law profession, the qualifications and requirements for becoming a trainee, patent or trademark attorney, and what life is like day to day as a trainee at Appleyard Lees. So Manifa, if you're happy, I think I think we jump straight in. IP, what is it? Okay, so IP stands for intellectual property, and that's basically the property to do with ideas. Um, There are various different forms of ideas that you can have, and so we've got different kinds of legal protection that you can obtain for those. Um, So I'm a trainee patent attorney, which means that I work um, with patents mainly. I might do a little bit of designs work but I'll start off by describing patents Um, and those allow you to protect technical ideas Um, so that's anything that stems from the field of STEM (laughs) so science engineering, um, medicine, um, any of those things you can have innovation in those areas and as long as your ideas are new and not obvious or inventive um, you're able to apply for a patent for that and patents can last for up to 20 years and you can get them in different territories different countries around the world do you want to talk about the other forms of idea protection yeah sure absolutely um so there are three other types of rights that that we'll talk about today um aside from patents so these are trademarks designs and copyright And as a part of being a trainee trademark attorney or or qualified trademark attorney, um, these regularly come up uh, day to day. So a trademark is essentially a a badge of origin. It's it's your sign that is used to identify or distinguish the goods and services of one business from those of another. So that could be a name, a logo, shape, maybe even a sound essentially any any type of distinctive element and generally trademarks are registered and and they allow you to protect them from unauthorized use by others um in terms of designs designs protect the kind of visual appearance of a product Uh, it refers to very much the kind of aesthetics so that would include its shape color texture ornamentation and a registered design um, would give exclusive rights for the owner to use, sell or license the design and prevent others from copying or imitating the design. Both trademarks and designs can be registered or unregistered in, in the UK. Um, and the third right is copyright, which arises automatically. It's quite broad in scope of protection in that it protects original works of authorship. So that includes books music, films, maybe artistic works. The important thing with copyright is that it protects the expression of the works uh, and not the ideas or the the concepts behind it. And again, the the owner of the copyright has the exclusive right to use, reproduce, distribute uh, and display the works. What's important is that for for, for a sound IP strategy that, that all of these rights work together because they all offer different types of protection that can complement and reinforce each other. So 
to give you a bit of a flavor practically of, of how these rights interact, let's say hypothetically we, we've got a jewelry business. That jewelry business may have a name. So that would be protected by a trademark, assuming it's a distinctive name. It designs may come into play. You know, some of the items, let's just take, for example, a, a bracelet uh, that might be distinctive or, or have a unique pattern. And copyright may also assist in that the jewellery business may have a website or photographs of specific items of jewellery that are displayed on the website. And those aspects would, would be protected by copyright in the UK. Patents wise, I would be focusing on like how that piece of jewellery connects, you know, the kind of clasp that clasp that it has or whether it connects to other forms of jewellery. That like mechanical interaction, as long as it's new and inventive, could form the basis of a patent. So I think that's an introduction to IP. So Manifa, how did you end up in, in IP? How did you start your career? I did the classic like chemistry, maths, physics and further maths A-levels. Um, I then went to uni and did a degree in physics, um, but it was like an integrated master's degree. And then after that, I decided it would be a great idea to do a PhD. So I did that. I, I got one in material science from the University of Glasgow. Only maybe in my second year of my PhD, I heard about um, becoming a patent attorney. And before that, I was quite interested in teaching. But I'll go to one of these open days because a lot of firms do them. And once I was there, I realised that I was really interested. I actually really love puzzles. And I felt like the examples they were giving us were very much word puzzles. Yeah, I just really liked this like focus on language, um, which coming from a background in STEM, we really didn't have. I'm black British, I'm from the Caribbean. It's not a career that I'd heard of before, like within my community necessarily. And it's even when you're applying, you don't necessarily see a lot of black people or people from ethnic minorities. It certainly made me more inclined to apply to certain places that seem to have a bit more diversity basically. I have a bit of an interesting story as to how, how I ended up uh, doing intellectual property. Um, to, to begin with, I did an undergraduate degree at the University of Nottingham in politics and international relations. So at that point, I wasn't even sure if, if law was going to be a career for me. Um, at one point, I decided I, you know, I was a little bit unsure, like, like many undergraduates, um, you know, where, where do I, what, what field do I want to enter? I thought I'll give law a try and I did the, the GDL, which is essentially a law conversion course. And after that, I did the LPC, which is essentially a practical course on lots of the theoretical aspects that you've picked up on the GDL uh, or, or your LLB. And I managed to pick an elective uh, on the LPC called intellectual property, which I, I had an interest in. And, and from that, I sort of came out of the LPC without without a training contract and I was I was on the job hunt. After the exams I decided to celebrate with a few friends, take a bit of a break from studying and, and on on a flight when I was abroad I, I managed to meet a lawyer and at the time obviously I had no clue. We just ended up having a conversation with it with a stranger to begin with and, and she sort of mentioned to me that she's a family lawyer and in the back of my head I knew that IP was what I was ultimately interested in. So I just decided to ask her, you know, do you happen to know anybody in, in the IP profession that you might be able to put me in touch with? And luckily for me, she did. She put me in touch with a current partner called Chris Hall, who 
you know, I, I emailed after afterwards and, and sent my CV, got some work experience. And luckily after that work experience, I ended up getting the job at Apple Yard Lees as a, as a trainee trademark attorney. That's really cool. Excellent networking skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it starts from, you know, you've got to be brave enough to, to ask, just even strike up that initial conversation. And I think when, when you join this profession, it is a really, really good community, actually, of people that are like-minded and wanting to really, really improve each other, not just for the industry, but, you know, with, with each other too. And, and I know you mentioned there that, you know, there's that, that you kind of felt there might be some underrepresentation, um, given our ethnic backgrounds. I'm, I'm a British Indian. I know, Manifa, you're kind of part of a few institutions, aren't you? With I am. So I am very active on the EDI front at Appleyard Lees. I'm part of our um, EDI committee, but also there's sort of a um, IP inclusive. But basically, those that just brings together different people working in IP, whether in an specific IP firm like Appleyard Lees or whether in-house like working for a particular company um, all with the focus of improving representation and support for people within underrepresented groups and that's yeah really important to me and something I've definitely been involved in and I think it's probably also worth talking about the like technical prerequisites you talked about like doing the GDL LPC for patents it's a little bit different you just need to come from a STEM background Um, usually we qualify in the UK and as a European patent attorney as well and the European um, patent qualification route has its own requirement for what you need and it's actually that your degree includes at least 80% technical or scientific content. Manifa mentioned there you need to have ideally a law degree and if possible it's preferable I think to have an LPC qualification or equivalent and the reason for that at least in my experience is that having the LPC gives you a lot of uh, grounding in, in many different fields of law so when you're a trainee trademark attorney you'll have you know the majority of your work will be ip focused but there may be certain aspects where it's beneficial to have that uh, degree of background knowledge so for example business law understanding how companies house works is something that is that is a mandatory module on the lpc or litigation if you are asked to assist on something that's a little bit more contentious i've got a question sure are you able to get those um, GDL LPC whilst you're training? Is it really unlikely? Is it typical in, in the industry for people to like train on the job? Because obviously as a patent trainee, I sort of train on the job. All of my training is funded by my employer. That's a really, really, really good question. So, so generally for trademarks, um, you'd have a, you'd have a legal background. So you'd either have a law degree if you've done the extension of that, you know, being the LPC, then that is a bonus. Um, that would all be prior to applying for becoming a trainee trademark attorney. Generally, the training contract process itself takes two to three years. For me, it took three and I preferred it that way. And I would recommend for it to be that way because, you know, the step up from just doing university to working and studying at the same time can be quite big. And that first year can be really critical just to get your feet on the ground and understand how the systems of the, the firm works firstly and, and get your kind of basic understanding of trademarks, designs, copyright 
in order before you go and embark on, you know, at least in the trademark side, you'd have two qualifications that you'd need to meet. The first would be either Queen Mary's or Bournemouth, um, which is theoretical aspects of trademark law. And uh, the firm should be sponsoring you to for that as a part of the training contract. So it is all paid for. And if assuming you've passed that initial theoretical year, then you'd have a, a second course at Nottingham Trent Law School, which is sort of similar to the LPC. It um, is very much focused on the practical aspects uh, on the day-to-day jobs of being a day-to-day job of being a trademark attorney, and it basically prepares you for qualification. Essentially, yeah, you are you are definitely supported in that sense. In that you know the firm should be paying for the for the fees. Um, how does it kind of work in patents? Well, it it takes a bit longer for sure. I think the quickest you can qualify is about three years. I am not moving at that pace. Um, But basically it takes takes at least that long because the foundation exam, the pre-EQE, can only be sat once you've been supervised in your training by a qualified European pattern attorney for at least two years. In the meantime, you can take your UK exams. At Apple Yardley's, we encourage people to do the foundation exams. There are five of those, but in if for, for firms that are based in London, they often use like the Queen Mary course, which provides you with an exemption for that. And that's a three month course, maybe a bit more academically focused than the foundations, which seem a bit more practical and related to the day-to-day job. And then for both, you have your advanced level exams. So the advanced level exams for the EQEs, there are four of those, and uh, they basically cover aspects of drafting a patent application, i.e. writing it up, responding to objections from an examiner, because as part of the application process, very big part of our job is just having a debate with an examiner about how we meet the requirements um, set out in the European Patent Convention. Another exam relates to oppositions. And the final exam is, of course, on the law, um, European patent law. So two of those exams, drafting and the replying to examiners' objections, um, provide you with exemptions from two of the advanced level UK exams. You only need to do two of those. Some firms like their trainees to do all of the UK exams, irrespective of the exemptions available, and some firms don't. We're, we're on the don't side, which is great. So yeah, in total, um, I think if you were to start training here, you'd do 11 exams over the course of probably three to five years. And again, yeah, you choose the pace that works for you. If you've maybe got kids or any other responsibilities outside of work, you might wanna slow the pace down so that you can manage work and life and study. So it's yeah, it's just really important to make sure you like are reflective and listen to what you need um, when you're picking your exams and when you're picking where to work. So on that note, what is your day-to-day job? What are your responsibilities and how have they changed over um, the course of your qualifying? Yeah, so when I started as a trainee, um, I think one of the key things that I noticed was you have to be quite commercially minded. And by that, what I mean is the, the clients, at least in trademarks, can really vary. So on, you know, you might get a new inquiry from somebody who's a startup looking to launch a fashion brand, but then, you know, you might be helping a senior lawyer 
on a more kind of multinational business that operates in the field of chemicals, for example. So the scope and the industries that you're involved with can be really wide. So I think having that open approach, in, you know, being inquisitive to learn about different types of businesses can be really important um, in terms of your your day-to-day -day responsibilities. Um, so, so new inquiries was something that I touched on, which would typically be passed to a trainee. Um, other aspects include preparing initial opposition advice emails. So, you know, you might get two trademarks put side by side and you might be asked to comment on the ch the chances of success of potentially winning in an opposition or, or, or if, for example, there's a kind of less uh, aggressive route, less contentious route, the advice may be, you know, okay, chances of success are low, but, you know, commercially there might be some resolution for the two parties to coexist and and kind of stay out of each other's fields um, and you give that kind of strategic advice so so you might be on the other side of it you know preparing a coexistence agreement which is a lot more contractual so really there is it sounds a little bit cliche but no two days really are the same uh, at, at being a trainee you day in day out you're learning and training on the job as you go along too how about you Manifa how does it work for patents so similarly we work on a case-by-case -case basis um, it's really different. I've been in academia for so long that, and things are so slow paced in academia that I think here it's literally comes on your desk and it could be off your desk by the end of the day and you're working on something completely different. Um, and I think that's probably one of the best things about it is that you just get to be involved in a lot of different technical fields. It's not as limited to what I'm familiar with pursuing research at university would be. I've done a lot of responding to examiners' objections. Um, that's like, we also call it responding to office actions throughout my career. So that's probably the thing that I'm most comfortable with. Um, and that basically involves writing a letter. I think is I was surprised that we write so many letters on the patent side. I I would have thought that given that we work in the field of innovation, I don't know, I thought there might be an online form where you literally just like reply to each objection and it's all like readily formatted and simple, but no, you literally write letters. And so your writing skills need to be quite good. I'm also doing a little bit more drafting now, um, which is writing the, up the patent applications, which is more difficult than it seems. Um, this is an important part. An important part of patent applications is the final part, um, the claims, where you define the inventive concept which you're aiming to protect. And it's really important to be broad enough that you can cover your clients like Mark One, Mark Two. You know, they they don't want to get a patent for like one very restricted product. They want to be able to cover this underlying inventive concept that might feature in a number of their products. So it's your job to sort of extract that from them. I think it is just having that, you know, that ability to be commercially aware of what is required for the needs of the of the client, really. Anything else to add there, Manifa, or should we move on to life? I think we've spoken quite a lot about what it's like in the office. What's it like outside of the office? I do still contribute to IP Inclusive um, to support, like, the wider IP community. Like, that includes people at Apple Yardley's and people outside it. Um, I'm a co-lead of IPME, um, which supports ethnic minorities um, in the profession. And that's been a really great way of connecting with other people, especially through like the pandemic when we were in lockdown. It gives me an opportunity to meet, yeah, just meet and work with 
lots of other people, like IP solicitors, partners at different firms, other trainees at different firms, um, and paralegals, like everyone who works in the IP profession. And it allows you to appreciate, I think, more what we do and how it contributes to this wider sphere of IP. Um, I also do help a little bit with careers and ideas focused on improving like um, recruitment, like broadening, broadening access to the profession. Just one thing to add from me would be that there are professional bodies which work on these initiatives. So from a trademark side, it's called SITMA and for patents, it's called SIPA. And they also organize kind of informal socials for people to get together around the country um, you may meet people that you were previously yeah. on a course with. Um, so so it's nice to just reconnect with people from different firms, get a flavor of how things have gone for them, um, any, any ideas that can be shared to kind of improve the profession. So it is quite a close-knit yeah. community, I think, within IP, where and, and there's definitely an effort to increase the awareness and and. and uh, diversity for the challenges you know from those from a minority ethnic background in the profession I think something else from my angle would be uh, for me to add would be there are lots of initiatives outside of the office that we are offered to attend so networking can feel quite daunting I think especially when you've never done it before um, you know, meeting new people that you've that you've not seen before face to face, and Apple Yard Lees at least have have offered some really good training actually on, okay, how what's the best way to approach somebody, um, you know, to present yourself in a in a in a good way and in, in good light. So there's lots of different networking opportunities. Um, that could be business related, but it could also be quite informal. So I'm part of a group called the Junior Niche Network. It's with young lawyers around the north of England. We essentially meet up, go bowling, go get some food, go get some drinks, you know, just quite casual. They're not all in IP. Some of them are in employment law, business, litigation. And it's actually a really nice opportunity just to meet other lawyers around, around the country. Equally, there are also networking opportunities which are more tailored. So... If, for example, you have a specific business interest, then you can let, you know, a line manager partner know, I have a real, I have a real passion in, in this industry or sector. So, so for me, I was quite interested in, in Web3, NFTs, the blockchain, metaverse, and it's kind of a bit of a hot topic at the moment, but also AI is, is very important. Um, and Apple Yard Lee is really good at basically letting me know, okay, Vishal, there's an event here which looks quite interesting. You you might fancy attending. You might want to you might want to go and check it out and meet like-minded individuals in the industry. So it really can be quite broad. It doesn't have to be pressured in the sense that you you know you're just kind of pushed into these networking events which you don't have a clue about, and then you know you're sort of asked to go in there a little bit blind. I think you know Apple Yardley's are quite careful in deciding which events would suit which trainee attorneys best. Do we want to do the Q&As? Yeah, there's a couple of questions here, which it looks like we haven't, might not have covered. Okay, so uh, Manifa, do you visit other Apple Yardley's offices and what's, how does it work? 
I have visited the Leeds office. I just showed up one day. It was quite funny. Well, I checked with my line manager first, but I didn't actually mention to anyone in the Leeds office I was coming. And so they just had some strangers just walk in and like sit at desk. It was quite fun. Um, like partners came and introduced themselves to me and we all went out for lunch. It was really nice. Um, basically, the, the, there's not much of a barrier to working in different offices. In terms of the the, the remote working in trademarks, um, two to three days a week it kind of depends on whether you need supervision or guidance as a trainee I'd say and um, generally in our team we have one designated team day that everyone needs to be in so for us that's a Thursday but I don't know how it works across different teams. So so in my team up in Manchester uh, we have a designated Monday and Tuesday and so yeah that means there's definitely an overlap when you're in I've heard of like other firms doing like, we just want you to come in two days a week, whichever day that is. I think it's important to just, when you're applying for jobs to like consider, remote working is great, but it's also great to be able to ask silly questions to whoever's in. So it could, you could, it could be more supportive perhaps to have designated days because you know, like early on, you have some people to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think learning by osmosis can be really critical for training. So without realizing, you might be sat in a call with a partner speaking to a client and you're picking things up, which you might not have realized that in terms of the way that they communicate, the way that they think strategically and, and how to approach a given situation. So I think that is definitely one of the benefits of being in the office is, you know, you or you might just be sat opposite that other senior lawyer and you're just listening to them speak to a client. And actually you can pick up so much just by listening in, especially at the early stages of your career. There was a question in there, will Appleyardly subsidize student membership with CEPA? Oh, yeah, good question, yeah. Yes, anything that um, yeah relates to work and improving your position and your understanding as a patent attorney is something that your um, work should be paying for. Um, CEPA for sure run informal lectures and those are really useful in your first year to get a feel for the like just the variety of things that are relevant to your job so of course don't sign up for CEPA uh, prior to putting in an application for a role as a trainee you can just wait for that. Same for trademarks anything student course related the firm will be paying for it so you haven't got to worry about self-funding for another two qualifications that you'll be doing during your training process. It is all covered. Cool, so I think we've covered off there um, how we got into the profession, the qualifications, requirements, day-to-day -day life as a trainee at Apple Yardley's. Manifa, it's been lovely speaking to you. Yeah, it's been lovely speaking with you as well. Thanks for listening to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Leagues. If you have a question or issue you would like our IP specialists to discuss on the podcast, then tweet us at Appleyard Leagues or email us at ip at appleyardleagues.com.